0: Resurfaces is a podcast presented to you by me, your host, Emily Utrup. In each episode, I'll talk to athletes and industry leaders who have faced adversity. And through shared vulnerability, I'll explore the mental and emotional challenges they have faced and discover the strategies they have used to not only bounce back, but to come back stronger than ever. I want to motivate and inspire you to show your vulnerability, acknowledge your fears, and to follow your dreams. everybody, welcome to my first episode of Resurface. Today I am joined in the studio by my good friend Ashley. Hi Ashley, hello. Uh, I asked you to be in the studio today because today I want to share my story and kind of the reason behind this uh, podcast and I think you're one of the people who knows me very well so I thought it would be really nice to have you here in the studio with me today so we could get a little bit more in depth with some of the questions about my story yeah, why I decided to do this podcast in the first place. So, yeah, maybe you can just like introduce who you are. Super nice. Hello, everybody.
1: Um, I'm actually Emily's neighbor as well as friend. So I've spent a lot of time with her um, and talking a lot about her story as well. And um, for me, it's super nice because I get to not only share in her story, but also share in the amazing work that she's doing with her story and also with people, how she's inspiring people with her story as well. So for me, it's so nice to be able to do this with you for your first episode. Thank you.
0: Oh, Thank you so much for being here. I'm very grateful that you want to be here today. And what I was thinking is that I'll start with kind of sharing my story. And yeah, because there will be people, a lot of people out there who probably don't know my story. I, I've been sharing it quite a lot the last few years. But um, but yeah, we'll do it again here and then we'll uh, we'll get into some questions. So uh, yeah, let's just get started. Cool. Let's do it. I My name is Emily. I grew up in Denmark. I was a horse rider my whole life. I grew up as a professional athlete. I was competing in horses. And my biggest dream was to be a professional horse rider. And when I finished high school, I got over a job in China where I could combine horse riding with international travel. And it just seemed like the biggest dream, finishing school, getting overseas, just working with my passion. So at the age of 19, I traveled to, to Dalian in the north, north of China where I was working at a horse riding stable. I was educating the people over there to... Uh, to take care of all these horses that we imported from Europe. I was riding competitions. And yeah, it was a very cool project. But uh, six weeks in, I was a passenger in a very tragic car accident. I was in the car with um, the leader of the project I worked for and two other people that I just met for the first time that morning. And we were on our way out to look for some buildings for a new horse riding center and on the way there, uh, our car have swerved off the road, rolled down a hill, and yeah, we landed upside down in a little little lake. And I have, I don't have any memory from from the episode uh, at all because I was knocked out. Um, and yeah, the next thing I remember is just <coughs> waking up in the hospital. And as soon as I opened my eyes, I just kind of see okay I'm in a hospital bed the first thing that happens is just the nurse is just coming running towards me with a phone in her hand and on the other end is my dad's voice just in complete panic he's just like Emily Emily what what's happening what's happening and I'm kind of like uh I think I fall off a horse I say to him because that's the only thing I could kind of think of what was happening and the next thing is that I just look down on myself and I just see blood and scratches, and and suddenly I just like remember that the last thing that happened was that I was out driving, and I just say to my dad like, "No, dad, I think I've been in a car accident," and then then I just pass out again. Everything goes black, and this is the last information my dad gets. And of course, he is just in complete panic. They they have no idea. They're back in Denmark. I'm in China. They have no idea what happened. So yeah so the story from my parents side is the whole other story like craziness how they suddenly managed to yeah get on a plane to or my mom managed to get on a plane to China and be there like very shortly after but I wake up uh, I think the next morning when I get rolled out in an elevator and in this elevator there's like a mirrored ceiling and this is when I really realized like how serious this has been because I, this is the, like I see myself and I just don't recognize myself. My whole face is just black, blue stitches and wounds like everywhere. And then I get rolled out and I get into an ambulance and I'm kind of confused why I'm there. I just have so much pain. I remember I have so much pain in my shoulder, in my chest and everything. And then um, this woman that... I was teaching her and her daughter horse riding. She had luckily called me the day before when the accident happened when I was in the hospital because I arrived into the hospital and no one knew who I was or why I was there. And she luckily called me to invite me out for dinner with her and her daughter. And she was the the main doctor at the university hospital. So she managed to get me moved to her hospital. So that's what I what happened here. I got into the ambulance. I got into, I got moved to her hospital, and I kind of there. I got all the CT scans, all the proper scans, everything. Uh, and I remember just sleeping a lot. And suddenly I wake up, and my mom is just there. She's standing there in the in the room, and of course I'm just crying, crying. And yeah, it was really weird. And I remember like when I woke up. The other times all the time asked everybody like, what happened to the other people? What happened to the other people in the car? And no one would tell me anything. They would just buy, oh, you don't have to worry about that. And and then when when my mom comes, the one of the first thing I asked her is like, what happened to the other guys? And my mom then tells me that my boss, he had passed away on the way to, to the hospital in the ambulance and one of the other passengers had died instantly. And of course, like my whole world just like falls apart here because I had no idea how to handle that. Yeah, that was a very, very tough time. I had to stay in China for another, I think, three weeks because I had a lot of internal bleedings. I had a collapsed lung. And so, yeah, so we had to stay to be in the hospital to get some medicine. And before, so my lung was, was good enough to be able to fly back to Denmark. Yeah, after this, I then flew back to Denmark with my mom and I think what I didn't realize was that it was now when I came home that was like kind of when the real recovery began like the mental recovery because of course being 19 going through something like that it's it's really really hard and but I was also somehow I was very determined to just try to to forget about it like because it was like somehow it was like okay it all happened in China I just want to Get about it I want to move on with my life like it never happened because it was it was too hard to think about it was too hard to sit with those feelings so I quite quickly like decided that I just wanted to pack that part of my life in and not think about it and I even like deleted a lot of pictures I had from China and just to try to not remind myself of it I was quickly I was des- I was determined to not be afraid of traveling again because traveling had always been this really big dream of mine together with horse riding that was something I always knew I wanted to combine um so I started looking into oh how could I go traveling again but at the same time I also started to get back and I was really like quickly like okay I just want to get back into horse riding again I want to start competing I did that I remember already four months after the accident, I did my first competition, my first horse riding competition and it didn't go very well and for the first time in my life, I just didn't care and it just suddenly didn't feel important anymore and I think that was, it was in that moment I realized that something had changed in me, I suddenly started to remember some of the thoughts I had when I woke up in that hospital bed in China when I remember thinking to myself like okay like there's so many other things in life than just horse riding which has always been such a big dream that there might have been like other things that I have overseen and I then decided okay if I ever going to be able to walk again if I'm getting out of this situation in China I want to learn how to surf and that was like a thought that suddenly came back to me after I did this competition and then Again, I was like, okay, I still have this dream of traveling. And quite randomly one day, I was in town waiting for a friend. Uh, we were going to meet up for coffee or something. She was late. And I walked past a travel agency. And I just, like, looked at the posters in the window. And I was just standing there for a little bit. And then this nice guy, he comes out, he comes out the door. And he's like, hey, do you want to come in and have a coffee and have a chat? And I was like, oh, yeah, why not? I was waiting for my friend anyway. So... I walked in with him and we sat down and he was like so where do you dream of going and I said hmm, I don't know I was like I don't really have any money like yeah dream time for a travel agent but kind of just sat there and we had a nice conversation he was like okay so if you if you don't have much money you, sh- you need to go somewhere where you maybe could work at the same time and there's this opportunity that there's a unique opportunity, you can go to Australia, you can get a working holiday visa for one year. He kind of just got me hooked on this whole idea of going to Australia. And suddenly I was like, oh, and I dream about learning to surf. Within 10 minutes, I walk out of there with a one-way ticket in my hand to Australia. I was like, okay, what have i done? just done, you know, and I go home and I tell my parents that I want to sell the horses and I want to move to Australia. And first, they're just like, wait, what? (laughs) Like, the horses, everything, that's been your dream always. But after we kind of discussed it, and they really supported me and thought it was a very good idea for me to, you know, get out and live my life and be young again. And, of course, after the accident, everything had been, like, very heavy and everything, and I think then I decided to move to Australia. And in Australia, I just, you know, I just got this... Second chance, almost. and I just had the chance to just be a twenty-year-old girl and you know learn to surf and party and have fun. And yeah, I really, really enjoyed my time in Australia, and that was also you know where I got my passion for surfing. Even though I, I was definitely no natural talent, but I I have a very determined personality, <laughs> and it was very determined to, to to learn it. So after I did my first surf camp, I bought a surfboard and. Every day, I'll walk down to Bondi Beach with my soft top under my arm. (laughs) And I'll be there in the white water, just practice getting up, practice getting up. And that was literally what I did for half a year before I then started to be able to kind of pedal out, stand up. Yeah, that's how that passion uh, kind of formed. And since then, I... I just always, like, I went back to Denmark, but the only thing I could think about was like, how can I move back to Australia? You know, that was the only thing I thought about. So I went back to Denmark to start university and I was there for one of a, one and a half year. And on my fourth semester, I got the chance to study abroad. So of course I was like, I want to go back to Australia. So I went back to Australia there for nine months again. So the first time I was in Australia, I was there for a year. Second time I was there for nine months studying. And surfing, of course, at the same time. Again, coming back from Australia at that time was even harder because I was you now this lifestyle had became even more important and more part of me. And the only thing again I could think about this is like, how can I live in Australia? <laughs> I love Denmark and I love everything, but I think I was just so in love with this new lifestyle that I discovered and I think somehow like giving up horse riding horse riding is such um, a lifestyle as well and it takes up so much of your time and suddenly there was this other sport that was much more than just sport as well it was also a lifestyle so I just completely fall in love with that and then from that moment I went back and I finished my bachelor's in Denmark and then I actually went into to work, and I worked in Denmark for one year. But the only thing I was think about is just how do I get out and I live this lifestyle again. And that's when I found Portugal. I got the chance to study my uh, master's degree in Lisbon, and that's how I first moved to Portugal. And I kind of been here ever since. And I absolutely, yeah, love living here by the ocean. I get to surf pretty much every day when there's waves and. Yeah, it's a big part of my life. And now it's also a big part of my my career and I absolutely love it. I think that's like kind of my story, (laughs) shortened down a bit. But uh, yeah, that's also why I brought you in here today, Ashley, to ask if there's anything I left out. I know you know me very well. So maybe there's something you think that we should go more in depth with. Well, firstly, like
1: every time I hear you tell the story, it always like astounds me. (laughs) Because I sit and go, wow, like, because I feel it. I know you. So when you talk about the experiences you had in hospital about waking up in this foreign land, like the fear you must have felt, you know, and then how you turned that around and how you were determined because Emily is determined. <laughs> but, but, you know, you are, though. And it's um, it's just so interesting because it's like the different parts of it from then to now you know it's a lot you've been on a massive journey and it's it's pretty incredible that you know you sit in front of me and you tell this story and it's part of you but it's you know it's there's so much more and how you're taking it forward now but for me um and I've never asked you this question but it's just come up now is that you created one life one sporting life Mm -hmm. and then you created another yeah so clearly sport is in your blood right it's in your veins it runs through um your blood and that's really interesting like i want to be a professional horse rider i want to be a professional um athlete and i want to surf so how did you create those lives you know like it's two distinct athletic careers you've had that is super interesting
0: actually yeah completely different i know by the way yeah they're (laughs) very different and Sometimes I don't even know. Like I think growing up, like I, I didn't grow up with parents who were into horses at yeah. all. Like we have always been a very sporty family and I always grew up with a lot of different sports and both my mom and dad and my brother, they are very athletic. And my brother was like a junior pro golf player. And I went into to horse riding. Yeah, for me it was a hobby, but it was just more than a hobby, and it was something like I just loved it so much. I I loved, you know, I loved competing. I mm. loved the the feeling it gave me. So I just always knew that okay, when I finish high school, like when I get that degree, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a chance and go yeah. all, all in. And I think that's just what I did. So the last year of high school, I I already knew okay, after this it's just horse riding. Yeah, yeah. it was also. That's also something I, I gave a TED talk last year and that's something I talk a lot about there, this um, this feeling that I was so determined on a goal that sometimes I, I almost forgot to stop up and see is, is this actually something I'm still enjoying. Yeah. And I think after the accident, I kind of got a chance to stop up and kind of look like, are you actually still yeah. enjoying horse riding? Yeah. And I kind of found out that no, I was doing it more of something I had to do and something I was so focused on the end goal instead of actually seeing if I was enjoying the process as well.
1: And what's interesting though, so that's with horse riding, go to surfing. You probably didn't start out surfing, think you were going to compete because, of course, you were a world competitor. Yeah. Which, when you talk about your early surf days to then how you progressed, it's quite interesting that you then became like a world competitor. Yeah. in surfing so like I think that's actually something like to talk about because your personality obviously took you there
0: yeah but it's yeah that it's was an also story yeah that was definitely never in the card when I started surfing I was um, really really bad actually <laughs> and it took me a very very <laughs> really long time to learn how to surf but again with many things I was very like I was very focused and then I and I put a lot of time and effort yeah. into it and when I was in Australia, but then after Australia, I kind of started getting into the surf community in Denmark Mm. and in Denmark, there was, we were having, starting to set up the Danish tour, the Scandinavian tour Mm. and the whole surf community in Scandinavia was just starting to get bigger and bigger. And a lot of people started to compete and it was just, it was just a very like kind of safe place to start, like to try your first competition because Mm you know, no one was amazing surfers. Yeah. And it was not about being an amazing surfer. It was more about the community feeling about it. Yeah. So I did a few competitions there. And then I moved to Portugal to study my master's. When I moved to Portugal, I was working the summer as a surf instructor before I started university. And here, there was this Australian guy, Jason. He was working with me at the surf camp as a surf instructor as well. And he just kind of took me under his wing and he just told me like, everything that he knew about surfing. He took me out. He just took me to all these like crazy spots and he just he really pushed me Mm. and he pushed me really to be a better surfer. And I think I I just improved so much that summer. Uh, suddenly a guy from the Danish Surf Federation he called me and he was like, Okay, we've been seeing some videos of you surfing in Portugal. It looks like you're really improving. Would like to give you the opportunity to go represent Denmark at the European Championship in Morocco. And I was like wow that's that's cool and (laughs) i kind of just jumped on that opportunity and we went uh yeah a full team actually to to represent denmark at the european championship in morocco that was really cool and then i started becoming part of the danish national team and then i got to go to costa rica for the world surf games i did france in the world surf games i did norway for the european and i did portugal for the european and yeah, those experiences was amazing. Of course, we were not on the same level as all the, like, Portugal and Portugal. France <laughs> yes. and, you know, like, all these amazing countries. But that feeling, even if we made a few heats, it was amazing. And the good surf countries also had so much respect for us and they thought yeah. it was so cool that we came from a country like Denmark. They were like, do you guys even have waves, you know? And, and people were just so nice and the whole, like, community around that was just, amazing yeah. and that really made me enjoy competing yeah. and I also started competing then at these like regional tour in Portugal where so like nice. learned a lot of like the Portuguese girls and surf with them mm. yeah it was it was a really cool experience
1: yeah I can imagine it would
0: be nice to compete again that's cool. now it's been i don't think i've been competing since the beginning of covid yeah. that's kind of i did the european just before covid and i since then i haven't really now my focus is a bit elsewhere yeah. but um but yeah, if I got the chance, I'll probably still do it. In like yeah. The, those, yeah the the world the World Cup and the Europeans and this with all the countries is a really special feeling, which yeah. is really cool.
1: So nice. And um, so talking about your story now, um, I think it's really interesting for people to know um about the fact that you have been a competitive athlete in two very different sports because that is part of who you are as well, and yeah. the fact that you're taking your story and sharing it with people for a reason, right? You want to inspire people that actually you can have these crazy dreams and then they turn into reality and you end up competing. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's one of the things I love so much. But um, the determination, the never giving up, mm-hmm. that's something you never do. You never give up, seriously. <laughs> and it's it's interesting, you know, like the strength, the, the vulnerability, the growth. You went through like vulnerability and learning a new sport as well, because it's super humbling. Oh, yes. um, and you constantly get beat down, so you have to never give up. And this mindset that you have, I think, is something quite interesting um, mm-hmm. to talk about because you're on your, you know, when, when you're doing sport or you're doing like a, an independent sport, not a team sport yeah so you yourself have to make yourself get up every day and go and do it you yourself had to live through this experience and turn it into something else which meant you had to dig really deep all your fears came up what if i can't do this am i ever going to get better what what does the future look like yeah how did you like how do you grasp that how do you remain grounded Mm -hmm. and true to yourself you know in your heart but then also who you are and what you want because that's a lot yeah like how do you take put one's foot in front of the other with all of that going on?
0: I think one of the first step that I really did, you know, also like obviously going to Australia after just being like only ten months after mm, being this horrible huge. accident in China was like a really really big thing, and it was like one of the scariest things. I was gonna, I did I you ever feel done. sick
1: in your stomach? Like, oh,
0: oh. I was. Like, I remember the night before I was leaving, I was crying so much. Like, I remember saying goodbye to my parents oh. in the airport. It was the most horrible thing. You know, I was so scared. Like, I was yeah. terrified. But I think one of the, the things that I really was like, okay, I'm terrified. I had to really acknowledge my yeah. fears, You know, I really had to be like, okay, I'm terrified. But I can either let the fear consume me and sit here yeah. in Denmark, be saved, be... Blah, blah, blah. Or I can acknowledge that fear and say, okay, I'm terrified, but yeah. I'm going to try to do it anyway. Yeah. And that's what I choose to do. Yeah. You know, I choose to really acknowledge that fear and say, okay, I'm really terrified of that, but I'm going to give it a go. Yeah. You know, I'm going to do it anyway. And like, because it took me a very long time to open up about my story and tell yeah, it openly yeah. and stuff. So I was carrying it a lot on the inside the first mm. many years, like the first seven years. At the same time, I was very aware of how I was feeling yeah. myself all the time. And I was very open to family about it. And for example, I knew also, you know, how hard it was for my parents that I was leaving again, Mm. but they were very supportive because they also thought it was good for me. I was just very aware, like every morning I would send them a message, be like, hey, I'm doing good, you know, or every night just to make something that could make them feel more comfortable and me as well, because I was, you know, also having fears the other way. So it was like staying in touch a lot. That gave me kind of the confidence to be there and be present in Australia. Yes.
1: Yeah. I can't imagine but you probably did you just land and all of a sudden it all went away when you landed in Australia and you you started to feel safer
0: mm. in your decision or of course like I think leading up you're very nervous because you yes. did I had when I went to Australia the first time I had no idea what Australia was like I thought it was like the outback and the kangaroo you know I I had no idea like Sydney was this big amazing city and you know I had no idea what to expect I never dreamt about going to Australia it was just kind of it happened and you know then getting there of course you feel a bit more safe I still had like lots of fear around it and I was just trying to cope with that my own way like staying a lot in touch with my family and but also, like, it really helped me to start surfing because there was, like, a place where I was, like, surfing just requires you to be 100% present, right, like, in what you're doing. And I think, so that really helped me in that process as well. Um, so sport, let's talk about sport then in your life
1: because, as you said, um, surfing really helped you with that. And sport, all kinds of sports are such a big part of your life. So for you, it clearly has such a... You have such a strong connection to sport. It's very much a part of who you are. We don't give labels, but it's very much a part of yeah. who you are. Um, and the power of sport has given you so much. So talk about that a little bit.
0: Yeah, I think sport, you know, as I said, like it's always been like a huge part of my family, even before also horse riding, growing up. And I've always been very interested mm-hmm. in athletes' stories and about, I remember when I was a kid, I would like read Books about like sport psychology, and how you could improve in in different areas to improve your, your game or your sport or mm-hmm. your performance. And I think some of my early childhood memories from sport was you know being on holiday in Southern France or Italy or something with my family, and every afternoon after spending the whole day on the beach, my mom and dad and my brother will all go to the bar, have a drink, have a soda, and we'll watch the last hour of the Tour de France and that's just that's some memories I really treasure because I remember there I just got this I was obsessed with Tour de France when I was younger because I thought it was amazing how these athletes could conquer these mountains and I don't know it was such a fascinating sport to me how they, they could push their bodies their mind everything so much and and i was just really interested in those stories that interest also sparked this interest of reading about athletes and i had like a big dream of kind of becoming a sports journalist when i was a kid and like even growing up in high school and stuff like that i was like okay if i'm not going to make it as a professional horse rider this is what i want to do i want to work with sports i want to work with athletes and so i think it's always been there on of course, doing my own sport with horse riding. But then I was always also interested in other sports, whether that was to sort of fans of football or handball or, yeah, whatever sport it was, uh, it always interested me as well.
1: Maybe we can talk about the podcast then. Yeah, probably, because this is a very nice, natural segue. <laughs> um, so, yeah, this is your first episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and the purpose of it
0: is for athletes to tell their stories. So, please, yeah, tell us why. Well, I came up with the idea of this podcast. I kind of recently actually quit my... So I've been working in marketing many years and I quit my, my marketing job to go, go all in and follow my dream, which my dream is to share my story more. I've been doing keynote talking, I've been giving a TED talk last year. And then i also been working with sports. I've been working for the World Surf League. I've been working for Corona, Red Bull. Um, following a lot of these big uh, surf events around the world I realized doing that that that's just really something I want to do more of both within surfing but also other sports so I thought how can I build a really nice bridge between these two things about sharing stories and being in sport and I thought okay I always knew I wanted to help other people share their inspiring stories as well and what better way to do that than to do a podcast where I get athletes and who has some life-changing story or been going through something or when we are very vulnerable like so I've been very vulnerable sharing my story and everything I've been going through I feel like when you start to share that people also open up to you about stuff and that's I feel like I can use that to help other athletes who maybe want to share um, share their stories about something they have overcome or something they have been going through. So that's kind of where the idea came, and and just also talking to someone at least about the idea who thought it was a really good idea, who was yeah very interested to be on the podcast mm. as well because they also would like uh, a space to share their story.
1: Um, what kept coming up, and um, as you were giving. Or sharing this information is the media portrays athletes as being invincible, you know? But actually, at the end of the day, athletes are humans and we're going to come up against challenges, right? Exactly. And even children, you know, like how impactful do you believe this can be to children? Because when you're growing up and you want to be a professional surfer or a footballer or a baseball player or a basketball player, they it's like this little dream that they have in the head like you had to be um, a professional horse rider but yeah like talk a bit more as well because it's really interesting how you can potentially impact you know like younger kids or like Mm -hmm. teens in school or something like that because they face a lot and they don't know how to deal with it
0: yeah I think that's definitely also one of my goals is to kind of change that mindset around athletes because I think That's also something I grew up Mm. being an athlete. I always thought that I had to be this tomboy, like I had to be strong. I never want to show vulnerability because that's, you know, as an athlete, you're always portrayed as these like really strong people who don't show weakness. But I really learned after sharing my story that, you know, sharing vulnerability is just like a massive strength. And I want to inspire people in general to you know be more vulnerable and share like what they're going through and stuff like that. because i think we can we create way better relationships when we are vulnerable and we want to share these things as well what i've also been doing with my keen is that i've been going a lot out to high schools and i've been talking to teenagers about it because i feel like i have a very important message to share with these teenagers who I don't think it's easy to be a teenager nowadays. There's no. a lot of lot of pressure, different ways, social media, all dealing with a lot of perfection and stuff like that. So it's been really important for me to go out there and share my stories and my vulnerability. And often I get really good feedback from the from the teenagers who come up to me and suddenly opens up to me about something they're nice. going through. And that's also what I hope this podcast can do. Um, helping other athletes share their stories but also that will inspire a lot of people to to also see that it's okay you know to open up about these things do you remember the first person athletes who shared their story that inspired you yes i clearly remember the person who really inspired me to also go out there and share my story her name is Karina Hollykim and i listened to her ted talk i think maybe 7 years ago so long before i even decided to share my story and i remember her ted talk just woke something in me and i was like wow she is so inspiring this woman had a skydiving accident she was a professional base jumper and she had a skydiving accident and she literally broke every single bone in her body and the way she just fought her way back to life, it just really inspired me. And I remember when I saw her TED talk, I was like, one day I want to tell my story on the TED scene as well. And then I think four or five years ago, I actually had the chance to meet her. She came to Portugal and I took her surfing and we had a lunch together and she really, she was so nice and she gave me so many advice and and after talking to her, I think that was when I, I decided that okay, I can share my story too. She gave me so much confidence, and she was like, "You're gonna inspire so many people with your story. You just gotta share it." Yeah. After that, I wrote an article. That was the, that was the first step. Was that I wrote an article about my story? First, I was kind kind of afraid because I haven't shared my story much. I was pretty much silent about the accident for seven years where I didn't talk to many people about it. I had some of my best friends who didn't even know that this happened to me. The first thing I did after writing the article was to send it to my parents and they just called me back crying and was like, this is so beautiful. You have to share this. And so I sent it into this actually a surf magazine. They just posted the article the next day. And I was kind of unprepared and suddenly it was just online and people were, were calling me and texting me and was like, "Oh, wow, we didn't know this, this is an amazing story. And a few months after the story got picked up by Huffington Post, who then posted the article uh, on their site. And after they posted it, it went crazy. I got contacted by so many people who felt inspired by my story they reached out to me with stories that has nothing to do with my story but everything to do with just opening up and being vulnerable and yeah it was just a really amazing experience and I think from that moment I knew that I want to share my story more but I also want to help other people share their stories and that was kind of the journey to this podcast the other
1: question I would ask you about um after you go through an experience and you go through the growth stage, teachers are really important. Mm-hmm. How how do the teachers to enable growth and progress and transition and following your dreams and that kind of stuff? How how do you like see where like the teachers help you in this process as well? Like who has been and my teachers? Like so. say a mindset teacher or someone who works in terms of helping you like follow your dreams and your goals people that you look up to who Mm -hmm. inspire you like doesn't have to be a physical teacher but there's you know we can't do this alone Mm -hmm. we need help yeah because that's what this podcast is as well right sharing for inspiration and Mm -hmm. who are the additional people that help you
0: yeah I think I had I think I had a lot of teachers on this journey I had so many amazing people inspiring me uh, supporting me and believing in what I was doing and I think first of all of course my family my parents has been a huge support and they also inspire me a lot the way they are living and the way they are following their dreams so they have definitely been a huge inspiration for me and but I also think the last few years, um, one of my big teachers have definitely been my speaker coach. She has really helped me a lot. Um, Ioana, shout out to you. We got in touch in 2020 when I joined one of her speaker courses and the journey I've been on with her has been amazing. She has helped me so much transform as a speaker but also just helped me really dig deep into my story when we were preparing for the TED talk it was like every session was like a therapy session because we had to just dig deeper into my story than i've ever done before so she has definitely been a huge teacher of mine but i think in general i always try to surround myself with people who inspire me and people who really are living their life and their truth and doing that they really inspire me even though it can be in a total different area there is so many important people in my life who who continue to inspire me and continue to push me to follow my my own path and my own journey um is there anything else that you want to share No, I think that's covering it. I think that's my story. And I think we got well around a few different things. So thank you so much for being here with me today, Ashley. Thanks for uh, asking me all these questions. I really appreciate it. Thank you. It was lovely. Yeah. It was very exciting to record my first episode of Resurfacing. If you want to learn more about my story, you can check out my website. It's EmilyUtrup.com, where I have my keynote talk, but also a few articles that you can read. And also resurface will come out in two weeks. So I'll have a chat to a very exciting athlete. So I hope you stay tuned. Thank you so much for listening.